Welcome to the WPC Sermon Podcast from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week's sermon is from Associate Pastor Leslie Dibble, titled The Gift of Sabbath, and is part of our sermon series on the season of Lent. To find more information on our worship services and live stream, check out our website, westminstercharlotte.org. Now enjoy this week's message from Pastor Leslie. Our first scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Our second scripture reading is from Mark chapter 2. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, having heard your word read, by your spirit speak to our hearts this day. May your word become living within us and around us that we might be who you have created us to be, your beloved children. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. We're in a Lenten series entitled, The Attentive Life. We've been reflecting on practices that help shape and reshape us to be people who are attentive to God. As Owen said in the beginning of this series, the enemy works by distraction, God works by attention. Attention is vital to knowing God. Yet we live in a world that prides itself in distraction. NPR News, looking to better understand the uh, nature of attention and focus, reported on a study where attention researchers, yes, there is such a thing as an attention researcher, at Harvard Medical School, ask a cohort of well-trained radiologists, that is doctors, doctors capable of detecting the most minute signs of cancer, they asked these doctors to review various slides of lungs for cancer nodules. Superimposed upon the slides in the upper right-hand corner was the image of a large man in a gorilla suit, angrily shaking his fist. Fully 83% of the radiologists entirely missed the gorilla. How is that possible? 
The researchers concluded that by focusing on the search for the one thing, in this case, the cancer nodules, the brain had effectively framed one's vision and filtered out the appearance of the extraordinary. They look right at it, but because they're not looking for a gorilla, they don't see that it's a gorilla. NPR's conclusion was this. In other words, what we're thinking about, what we're focused on, filters the world around us so aggressively that it literally shapes what we see. Friends, in this busy, distracting, sometimes empty and often dark world that we are living in, it is so easy to be distracted, to focus on anything but God. That is why we have been cultivating practices that help us focus on God, that help us experience God's presence in our midst. We've spoken of prayer, we're going to speak of scripture memory next week. We've spoken of fasting. And today we're going to reflect on the practice of Sabbath. So when I say that we need to cultivate the practice of Sabbath, what goes through your mind? Is it simply that we've attended a church worship service and we can now check off that box, thus having followed the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? Or does it mean that we cannot do anything fun, like play golf, which is what I like to do on Sunday afternoons, or watch a basketball game on television? Are we like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, who became so preoccupied in keeping the law, hounding Jesus and his hungry disciples for picking grain on that day, that we miss its true purpose? God has given us the Sabbath as a gift. Isaiah says we're supposed to call it a delight, not a burden. Jesus reminds us in our text this morning that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath is God's gift of worship and rest, of pray and play, as Jennifer said. The literal translation of the word Sabbath, sabbat, means to cease to stop, to give it a rest, or in modern day language, to cut it all out. It means to stop our work and rest. But it's much more than just a physical and an emotional rest. It's a rest of peace and restoration. It's a rest of trusting in what God has accomplished on our behalf. It's a rest in who God is. It's a rest in who God has made us to be. It's a rest in what God has done in and for us in Jesus Christ. And it's a rest that places our hope in a life beyond. As I wrote in my sermon blog this past week, the command of keeping Sabbath is the singularly most repeated of all the Ten Commandments. That must mean it's important. The ancient rabbis said that if you remember the Sabbath, you fulfill all of the Torah. Exodus 
31 says, well, we, we wonder, how can that be? How can keeping the Sabbath fulfill all of the Torah? Exodus 31 says, above all else, you shall keep my Sabbaths as a sign throughout generations that the Lord God has a covenant forever with his people. You see, it was God's intent that the practice of Sabbath would be a witness to the watching world that God is our God and that we are the people of his pasture. This reminds me of the first question of the Westminster Catechism. What is the chief end of man? What are we doing here? What is our purpose in life? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. To worship and to rest. To pray and to play. That is what the practice of the gift of Sabbath grants to us. What might the world say of the church, of our church, of Westminster Presbyterian Church, if we more fully embodied the practice of Sabbath? The Sinai command to remember and keep the Sabbath holy is given in two forms, one in Exodus and the other in Deuteronomy. They are nearly identical in their recording, but the reasons supporting the commands differ. One is creational, the other is redemptional. We are called to embody both of these reasons in our practice of Sabbath. The Exodus reason is because this is what God did. God worked six days in creation, and then he rested on the seventh. It's this rhythm of creation and being made in God's image, a rhythm that we are created to enter into. Here are the words in Genesis 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it, he rested from work that he had done in creation. The word holy here, kadash in Hebrew, is one of the most distinguished words in the Bible representing the mystery and the majesty of God. It is significant though that the very first instance of the word holy is not in reference to a person, to God, to a place, or an object. It's used in reference to time. With this act of God in creation, he models how we are to live in and honor time, the days here and now, the days that God gives us. God hallows time because he makes it holy because he is present in all of time. All of our life becomes holy because God is present in all of it. Yes, God is present here now on Sunday mornings, and we're going to talk about that a little later, but God is also present with us when we awake on Monday morning to return to the office, and on Monday night when you perhaps awake in the middle of the night anxious or troubled over the events of day. God is present in time with us. And all of our life is lived out in our worship in response to this presence. As our memory verse from a couple weeks ago focuses that we're presenting our bodies 
as a living sacrifice to God as our spiritual act of worship. The great rabbi Abraham Heschel writes this about the hallowedness, the holiness of time. For where shall the likeness of God be found? There is no quality that space has in common with the essence of God. There's not enough freedom on the top of the mountains. There's not enough glory in the silence of the sea. Yet the likeness of God can be found in time, which is eternity in disguise. Certainly that might give us pause, does it not, in how we spend our time, eternity in disguise. So we are grateful that God is present in all of time. There is something though about practicing Sabbath that speaks even more of the holiness of time. There's something significant about our Sunday morning worship together. We keep Sabbath best when we enter a place of worship and gather together. It was in this way, it was this way from the beginning. So much of the Old Testament is written giving worship directors how to worship, when to worship, where to worship, how to build the ark, how to build the temple. Have we not recognized the significance with the loss of not being able to gather for worship during this COVID pandemic? There's something special that takes place when we gather together. For all the blessings of live stream and Zoom, we long to be gathered in one place. There is something beautiful about being together. James K. Smith calls it incarnate significance. God modeled it in the incarnation, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus didn't come in a text or an Instagram or on a Zoom call. He came in the flesh. It's in our gathering together that we truly understand the character of God. We worship a God, a relational triune God, who exists himself in love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's then in relational community that we are most formed in his likeness. It's when we gather with one another, worshiping the God of creation, that our hearts are enlarged as we learn to love God and love and serve one another. The church, the body of Christ, is God's way of being present and active in us, the same way God was in the person of Jesus Christ. Together we celebrate and rest in who God is and what God has done in our prayers and our praise, in our liturgies, in our sacraments, and in the stories and the words of God. Our act of Sabbath worship together enables our participation to live more in step with God and his creation. It enables us to rest in God. In the Deuteronomy reiteration to keep Sabbath, God reminds his people of their slavery in Egypt. It was a slavery of endless, overbearing work. And God reminds his people 
how God's mighty hand had brought them freedom, freedom for wholeness in their life with God. The Sabbath, too, is a reminder to God's people to never perpetuate such injustice and oppression to others. The Deuteronomy command says servants, animals, livestock, children, sojourners are all to rest, adding the phrase, as well as you. It's more than just us and our rest. It's all of creation. Part of Sabbath keeping is about being set free not only from whatever enslaves us, but what enslaves others. The Sabbath then is not merely a day for us to rest or have off from work. It's a day to renounce all activity that deprives, enslaves, or degrades others. It's a day set aside not to acquire and to take, but a day to nourish and to give rest to all. We remember the Sabbath and rest on it in order to enter into and maintain the freedom of creation and to experience and share God's deliverance and love for others. So how can you and I cultivate a more attentive life in our practice of Sabbath? What we do with our bodies and our time matters to God. What are meaningful rituals that will invite us into rest, the rest that God so wants to grant to us? Remember to ponder the literal word Sabbath. As I said earlier, it means to stop, to cease. Americans work 350 more hours, nine weeks more a year, than the average European. Americans, by comparison, suffer more from stress in the form of cardiac arrest, hardening of the arteries, and cancer. Our bodies need rest. My body needs rest. We need to stop doing and just be. There was a journalist working for the New York Times who did a story on a group of Hasidic Jews in New York City. If you've been to New York, you might have seen Hasidic Jews. They wear all black and they grow their hair long and have a lot of rituals uh, and practices adhering to the strictest, strictest Old Testament guidelines for the practice of Sabbath, such as kosher diet, dress and hair codes, and homemaking ethics. This journalist, she went to spend Sabbath with a family so she could write about it, and she became perplexed and even annoyed with all the restrictions of the day, not allowing her to use her hair dryer to dry her hair or the microwave to heat up her coffee. She asked the father of that household, she says, does God really care whether or not I use my hair dryer or the microwave on the Sabbath? His insightful reply was this. What happens when we stop working and controlling nature? When we don't operate machines or pick flowers or pluck fish from the sea? When we cease interfering in the world, 
we are acknowledging that this is God's world, that this is God's world. That is what we believe, is it not? And we proclaim that this is God's world. So do we trust God enough to stop, to let go, and to rest? When we stop, we're saying we trust that God keeps this world, and therefore we do not have to. Of course, I'm not advocating the degree of legalistic rule, the following of no hair dryers. Heaven forbid what my hair would look like on Sundays. But what if we intentionally stop doing those things that enslave our hearts and our minds and our bodies? Things that are idols that distract us from resting in who God is. What if we ceased our work email computers and phones our housekeeping and shopping chores, our schoolwork, or even working on our 2020 income taxes for just 24 hours. It will look different for different people in different situations. For some, working in the yard is restful. For others, it's a burdensome chore. Some who practice a day of Sabbath say it's helpful to begin with a meal at sundown on Saturday, extending to sundown on Sunday evening. The meal on Saturday is a time of preparation and anticipation for our worship together. What if for the final weeks of Lent, we all committed to a real 24-hour ceasing of distracting activities. Why not try it and see what happens? And see if we're not more attentive to God. See if you find rest and refreshment for your soul. See if you sense God's presence and the gift of life all around you. In addition, what if we are committed to an awareness of how our activities during Sabbath impacts others. Do we really need to go out to eat every Sunday after church and have someone cook for us? Granted, I love not to cook on Sundays, and as I said at the early service, I love not to cook. <laughs> but what if we ate at home after church for the next several Sundays? To be intentional in practice of letting others rest as we do? Do we really need to go to the mall or the grocery store on the Sabbath? We talked about this at staff meeting and someone brought up that everyone knows, everyone knows that Chick-fil-A is closed on the Sabbath. And everyone knows why, to honor God and to keep his day holy. What if we embodied a practice like that? What would it say to the watching world? One has written, what would the world be without Sabbath? It would be a world that knew only of itself. So what would an embodied Sabbath say to the world? It would say that all people are valued and made in the image of God. And it would say to us, that know and trust this God, that we trust his goodness and we trust his work of sustaining and redeeming his creation. That this God that we believe in 
has the whole world in his hands. So let us enter Sabbath rest as we honor God in our practice also of weekly worship. Henry Nouwen writes of that empty place in our hearts that's at our center. He calls it a holy vacancy, a space that is for our first love, knowing God alone. When you and I come to worship, do we come so that we can get something out of it? Do we come to worship with an agenda of our own? Or do we come with a holy vacancy? Do we come on Sunday morning with a space in our hearts? Many of us are uncomfortable with the rhythm that God sets forth in Sabbath. We're uncomfortable with stopping. We're uncomfortable with vacancy. We're uncomfortable with letting go. We stay busy, even full in in religious activity, to fill that space with something, be it expectations, be it pride, be it guilt. Sabbath worship is a way to cultivate and guard an empty place to look for God, to listen for Him, and to learn from Him. That is what goes on here on Sunday mornings, to hear the Word of God and to be changed. From its beginning, the church celebrated the Sabbath not on the seventh day like their Jewish ancestors, but on the first day of the week because it was on Sunday that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. For this reason, every Sunday when we gather here is like a little Easter. It's a resurrection Sunday where we proclaim the living God recreating and reordering our broken lives and our broken world. Understandably, because of COVID, we've had to be creative about our meeting together. Yet this is why we have worked so hard with the task force to be able to meet again safely. Talking with some, I will say that many have enjoyed staying home in their pajamas and watching on the computer. But remember that incarnate significance that I mentioned earlier. What we do with our bodies matter. There is something significant about the priority of worship together. The writer of Hebrews says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So please, friends, as we are beginning to re-enter a post-pandemic world, let us continue as you feel comfortable to encourage one another to keep the priority of worship together. When we gather together, we focus We attend to who God is, to what he has done, to what he is doing, and to what he will do. Barbara Brown Taylor said that in our Sabbath worship, we live and act as if all the work is done, as if the kingdom of God has come in full. And when we do, the kingdom does come. Friends, the kingdom of God is here in this place as we worship together. 
The practice of Sabbath gives us a foretaste, a small foretaste of the eternal rest that we one day will experience in God's presence. It's way bigger and deeper than a simple discipline for the attentive life. Perhaps that's why it's mentioned so many times in Scripture. Hebrew tells us there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Let us make every effort, therefore, to enter that rest. And it was Jesus himself who said, I am Lord of that rest. I am Lord of that Sabbath. What he meant that was in and through him, we will one day enter our eternal rest. But until then, why, friends, would we want not to experience a foretaste of that deep rest right now in the midst of all the challenges and hardships of life? For time is a sacrament of eternity, one writes, and the other life then is the other life now. The gift of Sabbath, the gift of worship and rest, of praying and playing. The gift is that in this life now, we have the ability to attend and adore the God of Jesus Christ who gives us rest. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The message translation stretches this meaning even more. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is our memory verse this week, not the messed version, but will you say with me the Matthew version? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And remember that every day is a sacrament of eternity. And the other life then is the other life now. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Pastor Leslie Dibble. If you'd like to find out more about our church or view video of the full service, visit our website at westminstercharlotte.org. We look forward to seeing you soon.